Well, happy Resurrection Sunday. What a joy to be together in all of our different homes, all over online, and we just rejoice in celebrating our risen Lord today. I wanted to tell you a story of resurrection power. There was a minister who went to a grave in Italy, and the grave was over a 100 years old. And it was of a man who did not believe in Jesus Christ. He was an atheist, and he wanted nothing to do with God. And at the same time, he was a little bit afraid of God and what he had heard about his resurrection power. And so he put a massive gravestone upon his grave so that there'd be no chance of him being resurrected from the dead. And on his gravestone, there were insignias on it, and they they read, I do not want to be raised from the dead. I do not believe in it. What apparently must have happened is, over a hundred years ago, when they were burying this man, an acorn must have fallen into the grave. Because that acorn grew. And it started to burst through the grave, and it burst through and split the mass of stone. And it grew up into be a beautiful oak tree. And so the minister, as he looked at this grave, he said, if an acorn, which has the power of biological life in it, if it can spit, split a slab of this magnitude, what can the acorn of God's resurrection power do in a person's life? Well, I'll tell you what it can do. It'll split our heart wide open to receive the love and the life of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what it will do. You will never be the same again. You are forgiven. You are saved. You are transformed by Jesus Christ. You are made new. You become a child of God. Loved like you've never been loved before. Can you imagine? You are given real hope, real joy, real life. This is what happens when the acorn of God's resurrection power enters your heart. And so I say to you this morning, He is risen! He is risen indeed! Oh, He is risen indeed. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, You are risen indeed. And we pray this morning that Your resurrection power would invade our souls We give you praise and glory. You are the risen Christ. Amen. Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? You know, that first Easter, the disciples struggled with the idea of Jesus rising from the dead. They weren't quite buying it at the time. They didn't really have a context for the resurrection. You can't really blame them. I think they wanted to believe, but they didn't really know how this was all going to work. You know what? We have actually some ancient video of the first disciples. There's footage of the disciples responding 
to the claim that he was risen from the dead. I wanted to show you this first video, ancient video. It's amazing. Let me show it to you. He is risen risen indeed. Yeah, so I would just encourage you to please pray for your pastors. A little more enthusiasm. The fact that Christ is risen indeed. You know what, though? On that first Easter, the disciples were grieving. They didn't really know. They didn't quite understand the resurrection. They loved Jesus, but their hearts were broken. Jesus died on the cross just on Friday. The sky went dark. There was a major earthquake that split the rocks. The curtain between the holy place and the most holy place was torn right down the middle. And an earthquake opened up the graves of the saints. Joseph of Arimathea, along with Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, they came and they took the body of Jesus and put it into a grave. Joseph of Arimathea, he was a wealthy man. He was part of the Supreme Court. He was a righteous man. And he got the body prepared. And you know what's interesting about this is it fulfills prophecy of Isaiah 53. Let me read that for you. In verse 9, his grave, Jesus, was assigned with a wicked, with wicked men, but yet he was with a rich man, that's Joseph of Arimathea, in his death. And this whole psalm of the suffering, or in Isaiah 53, of the suffering servant, the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. And he said, my servant, Jesus, he will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. That's why we call it Good Friday. He took the weight, all the weight of our sin upon himself so that we might have life, that we might be forgiven, and as he rose again, have life in him. So in chapter 4 of Luke that we're looking at this morning, 24, on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they show up. And when they entered into the tomb, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. How long those days must have been between Friday and Sunday morning. All of life had been turned upside down. And so they show up, the women show up early in the morning with grief, with spices to anoint his body. Again, they loved Jesus. But in all of their time with him, they never understood, even though he talked about it, what the resurrection really looked like. Jesus showed up with his disciples, Mary and Martha. Lazarus, their brother, had just died. And as he shows up at the death of Lazarus, here's what he says in John 11. Jesus said to Martha, Martha, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, well, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he dies, he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me, he will never die. 
Do you believe this, Martha? And that's a question for each and every one of us, isn't it? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Because if we believe in him, we shall be saved. We shall have eternal life. And even though our physical bodies will die, we will keep on living with him. Martha said, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, he who comes into the world. Again, she didn't totally get it. And I know sometimes for us along the way, we don't totally get it. The women headed to the tomb, and I don't think they were thinking about the resurrection of Jesus, probably thinking about who's going to roll away the massive stone in front of the tomb. Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? It's a troubling thought, actually, if we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, when we're confronted with the empty tomb. The empty tomb has created incredible conflict in the hearts of men and women for generations Trying to understand what that means. You know what? We don't mind the stories. We don't mind the stories of Jesus, of his life, of his ministry, of his miracles. We don't mind the stories about his death and his burial. What a wonderful man Jesus was. Somehow that seems to satisfy our religious needs. But it still leaves us in a place where we can still be king of our own lives. We can still be in control and reign. We are accountable to nobody but ourselves. And what happens is, the story that challenges every one of us is the story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not only a story, but the truth. For if he was risen from the dead, then what it means is he truly is the Son of God, like he said. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the only Savior of mankind. He is the King of kings, and he is the final judge. Not only does the world want to eliminate the possibility of the resurrection because it doesn't fit into their box, which they can control. Even many of us in the church, we don't really believe it. We struggle with the resurrection power of Christ. And we don't seem to be living in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. We're so thankful and happy that he paid for our sins. Thank you, Jesus, that you saved us. But there's so much more after we are saved. Now we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. But we're not living in that. And there's no new covenant life filled with the Holy Spirit. God has so much more for us. Resurrection life. In Jesus Christ. These beautiful women came to the empty tomb. And in their grief and in their lack of understanding. 
they would become women who would become witnesses of the resurrection and they would give testimony. And soon after this time at the empty tomb, they would encounter the resurrected Jesus Christ and their lives would be changed forever. And so are our lives when we encounter the resurrected Jesus Christ. You know, many of you have met my father, Ron Ritchie. And by the way, he sends his greetings to you. He loves, over the many years, how he's had opportunity to have ministry with us at Cole Community Church. He's been part of the men's winter camp and and family camp he's taught for us and and the youth ministry camps he's taught at. And so he sends his greetings and has wonderful, again, just memories with us as a body of Christ. My father was confronted with the empty tomb. He literally went to Jerusalem and he went to the empty tomb and he was confronted with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everything that he knew was turned upside down when he entered into that empty tomb. I just wanted to share with you his story. Let's watch this video together. I want to share with you an amazing story that happened to me when I was 20 years old, 21 years old. And uh, in Israel, I was uh, working with a Jewish chaplain uh, just for something to do in my part-time life, so to speak, in the Air Force. And uh, we got a notice for all the chaplain's assistants. There were three of them uh, on the base in Morocco. And uh, we got this notice that, uh, would you like to go to Israel for two weeks? as a thank you note for uh, all the work you've been doing for us as, as uh, chaplains. Well, we climbed aboard. There were three of us, three chaplains, and then ten of us in, in a C-47, 6,000-mile trip uh, to Israel. Never forgot it. Looked down out of the plane uh, window and saw uh, big rocks painted white. It said Jerusalem. It was really neat. And anyway, we got there, and we had these two fabulous weeks. Well, one of the days we had a free day, and uh, so I went back through the alleys of, uh, of the old city and then through the Damascus Gate, went up a little hill and took a right and went to another alley. And there was a sign on the wall that said, The Empty Tomb. I was very intrigued by that. So I knocked on the door. An Arab opened the door. And I said, Excuse me, sir, but what is this situation here? What is it? What's, what, what's the empty tomb? The garden tomb. What is it? And he said, Oh, that's where the Christians believe uh, that Jesus may have been born, uh, buried after his crucifixion. Uh, you can come in. You can walk around. There's nobody here. Uh, and so I did. I walked around the garden, nice, nice flowers and beautiful trees and uh, small, very small. And then as you look down <clears throat> off the high part of the garden, uh, you see this door opened in the rocks. And, uh, and then you see a trough where they could have rolled a big stone across the, the, the door. And so I was very intrigued. So I went down the little hill and walked in and ducked to go in. And uh, there it was. A, the inside was like a place for maybe three bodies. And uh, there was a place where you could sit on a stone. It was carved out so you could sit. So I sat down on there and I thought, my goodness, so this is what uh, crucifixion is all about. This is what burial is all about. I read about in the Bible. I was very... Uh, you know, versed in the stories of the Bible, though I didn't take them to heart all the time, but I was certainly 
understanding of the stories. And uh, so I was sitting there thinking about, my goodness, so this is where Jesus may have been buried after he died on the cross for the sins of mankind. It overwhelmed me. And then I realized my own life was rather empty. Even though it was filled with Christianity activity, it wasn't anything that was stick. Uh, what's the word I want to use? It wasn't anything that was would stay in my heart day after day. It was just I'd do different rituals and feel good for a day and a half. You know what I mean? I'd get a palm leaf in one religion. I would get the ashes on my head. I was baptized. I was this. I was that. But it was all program and packages, package deals, but nothing, not real life-giving experiences. And then I remembered this incredible group of Christians at Baylor University that I had gone earlier, a year earlier, to school at night, and they befriended me. There was four of them. There was Joanne Bachman, there was Ron Lyons, there was Neil and Mary, and they kind of adopted me. I later found out they were seniors at Baylor, and at times, uh, we would go to lunch together, we would go to church together, we would... In fact, I even got baptized because I wanted to get in the program. So I got <laughs> baptized with this one church that they took me to. And then one Friday night, I went to um, a mission thing that they said, you know, it was great to get off the base and do that. So I went to this mission thing. We all sat on the carpet. We sang songs. And then they petitioned us into groups to go out and work in the slums of Waco, Texas. And so I went with the four of them, and we went to this really slum area of these beautiful uh, Mexican-Americans. And uh, here's Joanne uh, with a flannel graph board, and she's telling these little children that are sitting on the floor, mud floor, damp mud floor, about Jesus. And I, and, I, and I looked at her and I went, oh my, oh my, there's something missing in my heart. Something's gone. I, I, this, is, this is authentic. So that all came back to me kind of quickly, that whole story, a year earlier, a year and a half earlier. And um, I cried out in that empty tomb, um, if there is a God, would that God, not the other gods, but would that God make me like Joanne? And what I was saying later, I understood, is that uh, Joanne had, by the power of the Holy Spirit, had made the invisible, had asked the invisible Christ to be visible through her. And I wanted to be like Joanne. She was so authentic. She was so genuine. She was so kind and loving and thoughtful. And here, what got me the most, because of my financial status, which was zero, uh, her, her father was a millionaire. And here she is in the slums of Waco, pouring out her life to a bunch of kids she doesn't even know. And that's who I wanted to be. I wanted to be like Joanne. So I cried out in that moment, if there is a God... I want the God of Joanne to come into my heart and make me like her. And I, I know it, it was crazy. It was, it was like my whole life changed in a minute. I just could feel the whole life change in a minute. As I got up, I started to walk out the door. You had to humble yourself, which was very interesting. You had to duck to get out. And there was a sign right there that said, He is not here, for he has risen. And I said, Yes, he's in my heart. And uh, that changed my whole life. I love in that story how Joanne was used to reflect the love of Jesus Christ to my father. That he saw Jesus in her. She embodied Christ. Do you realize 
as a follower of Jesus Christ, we may be the only Jesus that some people see. I know that can be a little scary, but the truth is, Jesus Christ lives through us. I no longer live, but Christ is living through me. We are salt and light. We reflect Jesus Christ. And even in our brokenness, these broken pots, God is using so that His all-surpassing power, His glory, His light may shine through like Joanne's life did with my father. And my father's life has never been the same. He was raised in an orphanage from age 10 to 18. He wanted nothing to do with God and religion. He was so wounded to the core. Everything he knew about religion was empty religious practice. But the resurrected Jesus got a hold of his heart and his whole life now has been about giving testimony about the resurrected Jesus Christ and how he changed his life and how you can have life now by believing in Jesus as your Savior. It will change you forever. You can have eternal life now and for the time to come. We get to be with our Lord. My dad can't shut up about it. And his life confirms the truth of the resurrection because now Christ's life lives through my Father. He is a living, resurrected person. And everybody who meets my Father sees Jesus displaying the love of Jesus. My dad is living out with the angels confirmed in Luke 24. Look at verse 4. The women show up. They were perplexed. There was two men in dazzling clothing. The women were terrified and they bowed their faces to the ground and the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, for he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was in Galilee. Here's what he told you. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. He must be crucified. And on the third day, he will indeed rise again. And all of a sudden, there was this incredible aha moment. And they remembered his words. The angels show up and they bring good news. This is the second time. Do you remember at the birth of Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 2? All of a sudden, the angel of the Lord stood before them. And the angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which is going to be for all of the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior. He is the Christ, the Lord. And all of a sudden with the angel, there was a multitude, a heavenly host of angels, and they were singing, giving praise to God. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. Oh, I'll tell you what, 
that multitude showed up praising God in all of His glory when Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. Oh, He has risen. He has risen indeed. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's the good news. Jesus Christ, He is the only one who can be our Savior. Why? Because He's the only one who rose from the dead, conquering sin and death. He's the only one who defeated it. We're trying to say in this pandemic that, oh, hopefully we're getting over the hump of the coronavirus. But you know what the reality is? We're all going to die still. Whether it be from coronavirus or anything else. We don't get over the hump. We die. But in Christ Jesus, He has conquered sin and He has conquered death. And if we believe upon Him, that He is the resurrection and the life, even though we die, we shall live with Christ. Amen to that. So why do you seek the living one among the dead? Why are you looking for the one who told you that he is the resurrection and the life? You know what? So many people, and maybe this has been your journey, we are looking for life in graveyards. We're looking somehow to be satisfied, to be filled to our core And it's nothing but death. Looking for life in graveyards. Why do you look for the living one among the dead? You will not find life there. You will only find life in the risen one. In the living one. You will only find life in the one, Jesus, who proclaims, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Nobody shall come to the Father, have eternal life. Nobody shall be in relationship with the Father unless they come into relationship with me, the Son, Jesus, that they surrender their heart to me. It's the only way to have life. And he conquered sin and death. Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? The women showed up. And even in their confusion, they confirmed the empty tomb. The angels confirmed the empty tomb and that He is risen. And now we're going to see that the disciples will confirm the empty tomb. He's not there. Why? Because He has risen. Look at Luke 24, verse 8. And they remembered His words, and they went from the tomb, and they went to the eleven. And they started to tell them everything that they had seen. Verse 11 says this, But these words appeared to the disciples as nonsense, and they would not believe them. But Peter got up and he ran to the tomb, and he stooped down low, and he looked inside and he saw the linen wrappings. And he went away to his home marveling at what had happened. The women want to tell them all that took place. They didn't believe it. 
Once again, Jesus had been teaching them all along the way that this must happen and that he will rise again from the dead. Matthew 12 says this, Just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He kept telling them about it. But the words of the women appeared as nonsense. But Peter ran to the grave and found in the empty tomb just the linen. In going into the empty tomb, they were confronted with the resurrected Christ. And just the whole idea of the resurrection that Jesus had been talking about. And then soon after this time at the tomb, they would literally encounter the resurrected Jesus Christ. Amazing! And their lives would never be the same. Dr. Walter Martin says this, Science says, if there is any such thing as infallible proof... It is the repetition of the same experiment. The repetition of the same experiment. He says this, Jesus rose from the dead. Mary Magdalene encountered him. Experiment one. The woman encountered him. Experiment two. The disciples encountered him. Experiment three. The apostles encountered him. Experiment four. 500 people saw him after the resurrection. Experiment five. Each one of these is a repetition of the same experiment. They all encountered the same phenomenon. What was it? He was alive. That's what changed their hearts. That's what changed history. That's what changed the world forever. He is risen indeed. Today, people still think when they hear about the resurrection, it's nonsense. It's fake news. Stop telling us these things. Despite all of the confirmation, despite all of the testimony, despite historical truth that shows that he was resurrected, We have account after account after account. Don't confront me with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But the resurrection is everything. It's everything to our faith. It's everything that changes all of life. It's the only thing that confronts sin and death. It's everything. The Apostle Paul knew this full well. His messed up life was transformed by the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Nobody would have ever expected that Paul, the Christian hater, the murderer, that he would be transformed by Jesus Christ. Nobody. He would be the last guy on the list that you would ever think that God could get a hold of his heart. But the truth is, God can get a hold of the heart of anybody. And he loves everybody. 
God can get a hold of the heart of anyone who is willing to surrender. You know what? God can even get a hold of the heart of the Tiger King. Grace upon grace. Even that man can be redeemed by Jesus Christ. Paul got confronted on the road to Damascus, turned a murderer into a lover of mankind. And he became one who spoke the living words of Jesus Christ, and many were saved because of Paul. And all he did is he kept declaring, this is what Jesus did to me. The resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus changed my heart forever. I am now saved. I have new life. I am made new. I'm a new creation. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is everything and changes everything. And so some 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus, Paul wrote in Corinthians 15, he says this to the young Corinthian believers. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is worthless. You're still stuck in your sins. And those who have fallen asleep, who have died in Christ, they've just perished. If we have hoped in Christ only in this life here, then we are all men most to be pitied. But here's the truth, verse 20. But now Christ has been raised from the dead. That's true. That's not fake news. He has been raised from the dead. And all in Adam, they die. So also all in Christ, they will be made alive. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. You see, Paul lived his whole life transformed by the resurrected Savior Jesus. Paul, that Christian hater, overwhelmed by the love of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he couldn't shut up about it. You know, many of you uh, know that my dad has stage 4 liver cancer. He's going to be with Jesus sometime soon. And so I wanted to ask him a few questions this Easter about the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that he just can't shut up about. I asked him these couple questions. What does believing in the resurrected Jesus Christ mean for us, followers of Christ? What does it mean for us today? And then I asked him this question. What does believing in the resurrected Jesus Christ mean to you personally right now as you're going through stage four liver cancer, as you're going to see Jesus face to face pretty soon? What does that mean to you, Dad? Let me share that video with you. I've been asked from time to time, what does the resurrection of Jesus Christ mean to me today? You have an empty tomb and then Christ rises from the dead by the power of the Father. 
And uh, then he, in his resurrection, uh, is able to give all who place their faith in him uh, the same power to live this new life. We were dead in our sins, and then the Lord comes along and raises us from death into life and eternal life. And we begin eternal life the moment we accept him as our Lord and Savior. And I've watched that happen uh, in my own life. It was a gradual process because I thought Christianity was programs and uh, all kinds of uh, systems whereby you don't do certain things or uh, systems by you have a prayer meeting first and then you go do something instead of a day by day by day, moment by moment by moment, experiencing the power of the indwelling Christ and his power, his resurrection power, the same power that the Father used to raise his Son, Jesus used to give us that same joy of new life in Christ. For our immediate experience with the resurrected Christ, uh, you hear him saying to his disciples just before the cross, uh, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And uh, I live there. I live with that verse. Uh, I don't let my heart be troubled. Uh, I know that at my age um, and with my disease and my liver that um, there's so many days left. But there's no fear. There's peace. He promises us peace. He promises us that uh, we're going to live forever with him. Uh, and all the other saints, and he promises us this wonderful heaven. You know, I'm going to go build a house for you, so to speak, and I'm going to call you to myself, and we're going to be together forever. So it's uh, it, it's one more day for me. It's How can I serve the Lord today without fear, without anticipation uh, of uh, something horrible? Um, I just had this incredible feast. Let out your heart be troubled. Uh, and I... I'm always excited that the next day is, comes, you know, and here I am. I'm still here. And yet uh, I know I'm leaving pretty soon. Uh, and um, it's okay. It's normal for a Christian uh, to let not your heart be troubled. There's so many promises of what's coming. Uh, I know in, in uh, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, you know, eye has not seen or ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love him. I can't wait. What a beautiful example of what it means to live in the truth and the power of the resurrected Jesus Christ. Let not your heart be troubled. What an encouragement, especially when we are surrounded by death in these days that we are dealing with. Let not your heart be troubled. The truth is, even though you shall die, you shall live in Christ. Thanks, Dad, for for sharing with us your resurrected life in Jesus Christ. I love the final verse of this passage in Luke 24, verse 12. But Peter got up, And he ran to the tomb. And stooping low, he looked in it and he saw the linen wrappings and he went away to his home. And look what it says here. Marveling at what happened. This is so unusual for Peter. He's usually the guy who's so reactive. He's the guy who cuts off the ear of the soldier. 
But he runs to the tomb. He sees that Jesus is not there. And he goes away marveling at what happened. It's a beautiful word. It has the idea of an incredible reverence, an adoration, a wonder. Jesus, who I've been walking with, Jesus, who I denied, he is not in the tomb. He is risen from the dead. And he wondered and marveled at that. It reminded me of when Mary heard reports about who her son would be from the shepherds. And it says she took all these things and she pondered them in her heart and she wrestled with them and she wondered about them. How is this all going to play out? And I think Peter's doing the same thing. If Christ is risen from the dead, this changes everything. And so he went away and marveled. And just spend time, I think, with God. Peter witnesses the empty tomb. And then shortly after, he encounters the resurrected Jesus Christ, who offers him a ton of grace and love. And he says, Peter, feed my sheep. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, shows up in Acts chapter 2. And he preached the good news of the resurrected Jesus Christ and how you could have life in Him if you would believe upon Him. And in Acts chapter 2, it says that 3,000 people that day at Pentecost, they were pierced to the core of their heart and they received Jesus Christ, the resurrected Jesus Christ, as their Lord and Savior. And the world has never been the same. Thirty years after Peter saw that empty tomb and experienced new life in Christ, he wrote this in 1 Peter 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again into a living hope. A living hope. A certain hope. He has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And to obtain an inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled and it will not fade away. It is reserved in heaven for you. He is not here. He is risen. He is risen. 